Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Samson struggled. Samson had all kinds of problems. But you know what? You're going to see Samson in heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing? And what kind of hope should that give you struggling Christians today? Listen, don't quit. Hang in there. Even if you've stumbled, even if you've fallen, hang in there. Now, I'm not saying you want to be like Samson. Some of you might go, well, that that sounds cool. I think I'll just struggle my way into the kingdom. Hebrews 11 is an encouraging reminder that no matter what your weaknesses might be or what failures you've racked up in your past, God can and still wants to use you. It's not about being perfect, but simply having enough faith to know that God will supply and restore everything we need. Here's more out of our message from Hebrews 11, verses 28 through 40 with Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Moses went to God and cried out to God, Oh God, why have you brought us here? What should we do? Save us for your own name's sake. You know what God told him? This is funny. God says, why are you talking to me? I wonder if God ever says that in our prayers. That is an answer you don't expect to get from God when you're praying. Why are you talking to me? Uh, because I thought I was supposed to pray. That's why I'm talking to you, right? Why are you talking to me, he says. Hold up your staff. And he held up his staff and the waters parted and stood up on mounds on each side. And then he looked at the children of Israel, looking back at the army, and he said, go into the ocean. Now, you're the first one in line. (laughs) You want me to go in there? See, sometimes faith is risky. Sometimes God asks us to do things that in other circumstances would be stupid. To go into that ocean when you have not been called by God would be not only not a a faith, but it would be a lack of faith and it would be stupid. So they go in and God rescues them because it's by faith. But the Egyptian army sees them go through safely and they're not as smart and they're not entering by faith. And they go in and bam, the water falls upon them and drowns the entire Egyptian army. The same thing the children of Israel did by faith, they do without faith and it kills them. See, sometimes God asks us to live differently and you might be told to leave the job that you're in or to give up a certain financial income. Something people around you might say, that's stupid, that's dumb, don't do that. But God told you to do it and so you do it and you live by faith and God honors that and God moves in a powerful way. And sometimes in a lot of different situations and circumstances, living by faith is a risky thing to do. Well, not only... Are we obedient through sometimes risky faith, but also we need to persevere. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. That means we have to have faith and we need to wait for it to happen. That means that you don't have faith one moment, the next moment you get the promise. It might take years. It might take weeks. It might take months. Look at what it says here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. They were encircled for after they were encircled for seven days. Why couldn't God have taken the city of Jericho on day one? Why did God make them march around for seven days and then seven times on the seventh day? First of all, you remember this is direction from God. Joshua goes to spy out the walls and when he's there, the commander of the Lord's host shows up. This is Jesus. This is the angel of the Lord. And Joshua pulls out his sword. All of a sudden there's this angel in front of him. He pulls out his sword and he says, are you for me? Are you against me? And the angel of the Lord's host says, no, In other words, you're on my side. I'm not on your side. I'm not for you or against you, but you are on my side. And then he said, I want you to circle this city. I want you to walk around it for seven days. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times. 
So Joshua goes back to his generals. All right, boys, I got the plan. What is it? We're going to walk around the city of Jericho. Okay, then what? We're going to go home. And then what? We're going to go walk the next day. Okay, and then what? We're going to go home again. We're going to do that for seven days. His generals are like, I don't know what you've been smoking. I don't think that's going to work. And then on the seventh day, it's going to change. Oh, finally. Okay, the seventh day, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around it seven times. And then what are we going to do? Blow our trumpets and wall is going to fall down. What? Now, God could have done it on the first day. And I wonder if any of them in the army thought, what are we doing? They got up every day. They put on their shields. They put on their swords. And there's some adrenaline that goes along with going into battle, right? And for seven days, they got up and they got it. Maybe today is going to be the day we're going to fight. And imagine the people in Jericho. This army's all running to the wall. They're coming, they're coming. They blow the horns for battle and they go out and they look and here comes the army. Then they start walking around the wall and the army starts following them. And then they go away. Then they come back again the next day. But they had to get to that 14th time around that wall before they blew the trumpets and the wall fell down and they went to battle. And see, you may be now in the midst of what God is calling you to do and you may not have seen those promises happen, but you need to be faithful. You need to persevere in order to get all that God has for you. I'm going to say it again. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. No wonder Galatians tells us, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't grow faint. Are some of you guys growing faint in your faith now? God has maybe just around the corner some great things for you. You need to be obedient and be obedient for as long as God needs us to be obedient for. I love the fourth example here of obedience, and that is Rahab. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Out of all of the people that God could save in Jericho, he chose a prostitute. Isn't that incredible? You might think God's looking for religious people. It's what the scribes and Pharisees thought in the days of Jesus. Jesus went and hung out with sinners And they said, he's a friend of sinners and drunkards. And Jesus said, a doctor doesn't come to those who are well. He goes to those who are sick. And I've gone to seek out those who need forgiveness. He went to sinners. He went to care for the sin sick soul. And not only was this woman delivered from prostitution, but she delivered her whole family from Jericho by her faith. You might think I've done too much. My lifestyle's bad. God doesn't want me. And you are so wrong. Evidenced by the woman caught in the act of adultery. Evidenced by this woman who not only saves her family, who not only is spoken of in the hall of faith, but she's in the lineage of Jesus. Did you know that? Rahab is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. And she was a prostitute. The Lord truly loves sin-sick souls. And the more we reach out to those who are destitute, the more we reach out to those who are suffering, the more God moves in their lives. Now, he goes from the section on obedience and the importance of obedience. And if we want to seek faith and we want to see God move in our lives, we need to be obedient. And he now moves to what I've called the section on power. He says in verse 32, for what more shall I say to you? For time would fail me if I told you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Now, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. You guys ready to play this little game? I'm going to read them again. One of these things is different. One of these things doesn't belong, all right? I'm going to read them. You ready? Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Now, if you came to the service earlier today or last night, you can't answer this, all right? 
last service Scott here on the front row went last night and he called it out and I said were you there last night because I thought I saw him were you there last night he said yeah you can't answer that <laughs> all right so you guys ready which one doesn't belong who doesn't belong David who said David I heard it there we go why doesn't David belong he's a king not a, not a judge every other one is a judge right all of the other guys here Gideon Barak Samson, Samuel, and Jephthah are all judges. And David is a king. Now, I don't have anything profound to say about that. I just thought it would be a fun game. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if he was writing it and he's writing the judges. He throws in the king and then goes, oh, I forgot about Samuel. Because if there's anyone you don't want to forget about, it is Samuel. Samuel is one of the three men in the Bible that really served God from the time they were young until the time they were old without any major flaws. Samuel, Daniel, right? And Joseph are the three guys who really don't have any flaws. Now, you look at these guys that he mentions by faith and they did some pretty incredible things. Gideon was called a mighty man of God, a valiant man of God by the angel of the Lord. Gideon's hiding in the basement because the Midianites are stealing the grain from them and he's threshing his wheat in a basement. If you know anything about threshing wheat, and I didn't know anything before I studied this for the first time, by the way, you do it on a hill. You put the wheat out on a hill, you beat it with something that's threshing it, okay? and it pops off the chaff and it pops up in the air. And if there's a breeze, it blows it away. Gideon's in the basement beating the wheat. I don't know what, <laughs> trying to get it to clear out. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears and says, oh, mighty man of valor. And I think Gideon went, where, where, where? Because he's hiding in the basement. But by faith, Gideon would be used to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites. And you remember that they had too many and God dwindled them down to 300 so they would trust in him completely. Samson, who was given greater potential than Samson? Samson struggled. Samson had all kinds of problems. But you know what? You're gonna see Samson in heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing? And what kind of hope should that give you struggling Christians today? Listen, don't quit. Hang in there. Even if you've stumbled, even if you've fallen, hang in there. Now, I'm not saying you want to be like Samson. Some of you might go, well, that, that sounds cool. I think I'll just struggle my way into the kingdom. His eyes were burned out of his head. He was chained to a millstone and treated like an oxen. Not a good thing, all right? But God used him and called him here. Samson and, and uh, Jephthah, also David, who did great things. And then he goes on to list what they did. He says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness. Are, are, you, are you struggling at all with righteousness? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. By faith, they worked righteousness. By faith, you can work righteousness as well. Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who was that? Daniel, right? Quenched the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escaped the edge of the sword, many. Out of weakness were made strong. That's the way God works. You might think, I can't be used by God, I'm weak. God uses weakness to show himself strong. I think a great example of that in our day is Charles Swindoll. Is there any more eloquent speaker of the word of God than Charles Swindoll? The way he writes and the way he speaks, but do you know as a child he stuttered? And God literally, if you'd have gone to him as a stuttering child and said, you're gonna be used by God to speak to an entire generation about grace, Charles Swindoll probably would have said, N -n 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 no, I'm not. Because he stuttered. But in his weakness, he became strong. And God's like that. 
God uses our weaknesses so that he can get the glory. It says, became valiant in battle. <laughs> that is, men who were normally cowards all of a sudden gained bravery in the middle of battle, turned to fight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Through faith, they worked and received the promises of God. They obtained what God had for them. Now, I also believe that by faith, we'll obtain what God has for us. We'll obtain the promises. We'll see God do great things. As I said earlier, maybe there's someone in this room that God's raising up that he might empower and strengthen, that he might use to radically shape this world. Every day, there are people that die that end up in hell. And we are called to be that light that shines in dark places. And there is a power that is available to us through the work of the Spirit. The Bible says that the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave is at work in you in the Holy Spirit. I don't know that there's any powerful work that has ever happened than Jesus coming out of that grave. And that same Spirit that brought him out of the grave is the Spirit that is within you. And who knows what God's gonna do. And hopefully as I'm speaking, God is stirring you up that you might surrender to him by faith and see those great things done. But we also have another section here and it's a radically different section. In, in fact, as we look at this, I want you to look at verse 39 to start. It says, and all those having attained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. We are now gonna talk about a group of people who received a good testimony by faith. They walked in faith, but they suffered instead of saw the power of God. And I'll ask you this question. What is the difference between someone who suffered, lost their life, or was tortured, and someone like David or Abraham who didn't? Let me give you another example. What about two brothers, two apostles, James and John? They were a couple of young guys. John was the youngest. And James, John's mother came to Jesus one day. I think James and John were prompting her. They're right behind her. And they, she comes and she says, can you have my boys? They're good boys good Jewish boys. Could you have them sit on your right and left hand when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus said, are you willing to be baptized in the things that I'm baptized with? Now, James and John speak up. Oh, oh yeah, we are. They'd seen the power of God to heal, to feed the 5,000, to heal the lame, the blind, to forgive sins. Oh, we're willing. What he didn't know is that he meant his suffering. What he didn't know is that God chose them to suffer for him in radically different ways. For you remember that John was the, the disciple, the apostle that lived the longest. You remember that he wrote the book of Revelation and that God used him as an example at the end of the first century as an example of the apostle that God used to shape the world. It was used in great ways, but it wasn't without suffering. History tells us that he was boiled in oil and survived and was exiled to the island of Patmos because of that. But James, his brother, was killed almost immediately. Remember? James was killed by a command by Herod to have him killed, and he was killed by the sword. Let me ask you this question. Why would God use John in a powerful way to live to be an old man, and why would God take James' life almost immediately? Couldn't God have done great things through James just like he did through John? Why would one lose his life, and why would one go on? The answer to that is, I don't know. Those are questions that we don't have the answer to. And the elephant in the room here, as I talk about this, is... Lisa, my wife, she went to be with the Lord. It was a year and three months before that that we found out that she had cancer. And then after the first initial treatments, the cancer was almost completely gone. I mean, in fact, there was no evidence of the cancer. And we believed that God had healed her. But then in June, we saw something there again. We went in for a PET scan. There was some activity again. 
And then by the end of October, she started feeling not so good. But then by the December, just a month and a half later, it went so quick. Two weeks before she died, we had to come to terms with some things. Number one, we came to terms with the fact that God was not going to heal her and that she was going to die. We did that through tears. It was a hard thing to come to. Lisa struggled with this. She struggled with why does God want to take my life? Why does God want to glorify me by taking my life when I've got so much to live for? Those were her words. She had a beautiful little granddaughter, a beautiful grandson. She's used by God in the women's ministry. She runs Practical Christian Living Foundation. She's doing all kinds of things for the kingdom. Why does God want to take my life? Why can't he be glorified through my life instead of my death? However, she came to the place where she said, but if he takes me, I want my life to be glorified with it. And I got to tell you, through prayers, through, through tears, I too said, why are you taking my wife? Couldn't you do greater things with her? Couldn't you do greater things here? Why take her away from her grandkids? Why do that? I don't understand. But I too had to come to the place where I said to God, I'll surrender to whatever you want. And if you want my sorrow and my suffering, if you want to bring glory through that, then I'm here. Now listen, I told God and I said this to him, I got a better plan. Why don't you heal my wife? We have a documented case of cancer here, stage four lung cancer. Why don't you heal her? And will there be great glory to your name? But God saw fit not to go my way. And at that point you say, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. Lord, if you use me, see, Paul said that I might know you in the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your suffering. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. But he also said, in this world, you will have tribulation and to love those who persecute you. And so we have this dichotomy. We've got God using churches in great and powerful ways. And we've got people being killed in places like Egypt and China and the Sudan because of their faith in him. And why would he take the life of James and he let John live? I don't know. Why would he take the life of some and let others go? I don't know. But I have to believe by faith that God's doing what God's doing. And if God can use my suffering to somehow bring glory to his name, then so be it. Better than suffering without glory going to God's name. And if God has used the life of my wife to bring glory to his name and then the death of my wife to bring glory to his name, then so be it. God could do that. Now it goes on to say here in verse 35, See it right there in the middle. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might attain a better resurrection. Whether you were James or John, whether you lived until you were an old man used by God in powerful ways or whether you were killed by Herod with the sword when you were young, they both obtained the resurrection. And heaven, believe it or not, is greater than the earth. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those who love him. And whatever it is, we know that heaven is there for us and we are not gonna miss anything by going and being with him. Now that's a truth that's easy to say now, maybe more difficult to say when you're struggling, when perhaps you're going to die. To understand that, hey, we don't miss out on anything when we go to be with the Lord. These guys were tortured and they refused to back away from it like the early church. Six million Christians were killed in the first three centuries under 10 different emperors. Some of them knowing when they became Christians, they were gonna die. Some of them knowing there was a possibility that their children would be killed. You remember that some of the emperors rounded up Christian kids, put them in the arena and turned wild animals on it, gave the parents a chance to recant their faith to Christ to save their children. And many of them didn't. They let their children be killed and stay true to Jesus. 
Now that is courage. It says because they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking, scourging, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Isaiah was sawn in two lengthwise. I don't know that I needed to add that in, but I did. <laughs> were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I think that's always the case. They wandered in the desert and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And lest you think that any of these guys did that stuff because they didn't have enough faith, like those in the faith movement would teach you. Verse 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promises. You say, are you, are you telling me it's possible that if I follow Jesus that I'm, and, and live by faith that I'm not going to obtain the promises? Yep, that's what I'm telling you. The question is, do you have the courage to be able to say, Lord, even if you kill me, I'll serve you like Job. Lord, if you take my life tomorrow, I'm serving you because it's not about my life. It's about the destiny of souls that are perishing. And however God may use me in whatever way, I have my preference of how I would like God to use me. But however God would use me, I'm there. And I'll say to you guys, I'll make a confession to you guys today. Whatever God would bring in my life, if he kills me tomorrow, I'm going to serve him today. And if there's suffering for the remainder of my life as a Christian, if I commit myself to him and live by faith, I'm ready to do that because there's a larger call. There's a bigger picture. There's a cause. And I want to ask you that question as well. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'll walk by faith for whatever you have in my life and I'll face, I'll take the power that you reveal in my life, but I'll also take whatever suffering and whatever struggles come my way. Now it goes on to say in verse 40, and having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, what does that mean? There are certain verses that you read and you could read them a hundred times and still go, I'm not quite sure what it means. Let me sum it up because I'm, I'm out of time, all right? I'm done, I'm out of time. Let me sum this up. What he's saying is they aren't apart from us. What they've gone through, we will go through. There are some of us that are gonna see God move powerfully and there are some of us that are gonna suffer. And God's the one who chooses those things. We are not apart from them. They surround us like a great cloud of witnesses. And even those that had those sufferings and struggles and difficulties encourage us on that we would be men and women of faith. What does it say in Revelation? And I'll leave you with this thought. We'll stand up and pray. I'm gonna leave you with this passage, okay? Revelations tells us that they did not love their lives even unto death. They knew that there was a greater call and that we would say to God, I love you more than I love my life. And I surrender to you, no matter where you want to take me, no matter how you want to use me, just use me. That destinies can be changed and people can come into the light. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again as we close our Bibles and we set our hearts and our minds upon you. And we think about these men and women who paid such a price. And Lord, we thank you that you have given them as examples. And we realize that some of them were used in great and powerful ways, like John. And some of them were used in the midst of their suffering and their martyr, being martyrs, even as some today all around the world are facing that same thing. And Lord, with us, who live in such a time and in such a place where we are not persecuted greatly, with that comes great responsibility. May we live for you in such a way that people around us would see you. 
And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.